with ties to I to Fiji. So identifying as a Pacific Islander, you know, um, there is a deep-rooted history of colonization, imperialism, um, and displacement, as Amrani, you know, has said. Um, and so also being an immigrant here in the U.S., right, the, the history, the histories that I was taught um, in my K-12 education was very, um, very othering. I don't know if that's the word, but it was very much this thing of, you don't belong here. You are an other person. Um, because, you know, the only time I saw a similar face to mine that was brown was when I, you know, was learning about the Spanish conquest, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, um, you know, seeing people who I recognized, right, um, with darker skin tones when we're learning about Black History Month, which is in February, which is also the shortest month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, it just made me realize that we all have history that we have to do our own research about sometimes, um, unless you fit into this larger context here in the U.S. I was actually thinking recently about how with like colonizer history, their history is told like this grandiose story of like, oh, we conquered and now it's all great. But then anybody else's like person of color story is told that I feel like they had a negative undertone and context to it in comparison to white conquest history. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Manifest destiny yeah. sounds just so much more grand, right? Yeah. yeah. Conquered land. Like, that's literally all that is. And <laughs> yeah. took it from other people. Like, right. Indigenous people. It reminds me of, um, so I was studying abroad in Spain for a few months and there's so many museums that display art of these kings and queens and all their um, gold and all these riches that they had. But in none of the museums that you went to, you did you ever see where that gold really mm-hmm. came from? Right? Mm-hmm. The, America, the Americas or in Africa and all these other continents that were being um, enslaved or you know killed for these um, these jewelry. Mm-hmm. And so I was very disappointed to just be there and see that a lot of the history was erased by these museums that are glorifying these people. Yeah. yeah. And if people don't take a, a second to understand that or have that understanding or even think about it, the history is going to remain untold. It's perpetuated ignorance and it just never stops. But as you know, as a child in the U.S., what's the mm-hmm. one of the ways that we learn about history? We take a field trip to a museum, mm-hmm. right? And it's something that I think is so ingrained within our educational system mm-hmm. that we don't really um, think about it, right? Like, I, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it until I became an adult, mm-hmm. right? Um, or that aspect of museums. And I know that there's definitely um, a call to have museums that actually share the true, you know, um, uh, region and the peoples that those jewels or artifacts have, have you know, come from. But um, it's, it's very, like, weird to think that we're in 2019 and now it's taken this 
this lens and this approach. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. I'm thinking about when I learned my history, mm-hmm. or when that came about. Um, as a Black American identified woman, most of the things that you hear about outside of the textbooks in the classroom, you probably just hear about slavery being just the first thing. Um, you never really hear about things before then. And there was a rich and amazing history that happened in Africa and all of these other places before all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's once you, you realize that that's the education that you're being fed mm-hmm. and that's all you're being fed, to know is a part of your history. It's really frustrating because I think it keeps us in a mentality that you can still never be greater than this. Like, this mm. was what you were before you became who you are today, and this is the only box that you know yourself to be in. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the winner writes history, and knowledge is power, but if you don't have either of those, right? Yeah. If you don't have knowledge, you don't have the power to understand your your true self. Um but yeah, it's, it's just a little frustrating to know that this is how the system has been set up. And not just for black Americans. Like this is across the board with any person of color that has had to go through anything yeah. in their history. So. so I guess what questions have, or what steps have y'all um, taken to learn about your history? And also what have you learned about your history, right? Um, you know, for me, I had to... There's like one documentary (laughs) um, that I found about people from India being um, dropped off literally in uh, multiple islands in Africa, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason, you know, I always grew up wondering why do we have such a large population of Indians in Africa and Jamaica and Trinidad and Fiji and you know all these other places um and so for me it was like really learning um through whatever I could get my hands on right in in as an undergrad um about my history and even then you know knowing that when the British parliament decided that slavery was wrong that instead of going back and um, breaking contracts and getting people back to their homeland, they just kind of, you know, deserted them. Um, and so, and, and also burn documents of contracts, you know, and, and paper trails is, is really hard because now like history is, is lost of Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And I wish, you know, I knew, where my people came from. Um, I went to India last year for the very first time, and it was such a surreal <clears throat> moment to to look across the street and see someone who reminded me of like my uncle or my brother or my sisters, but not knowing if I was actually from this land. Mm-hmm. It was such. It was. It was just a really weird experience. So, how did you all, you know, um, learn about your histories? So I identify as Oaxaca, and my family is from a small town in the Central Valley of Oaxaca, Mexico, and uh, we can trace our family about five lineages down, and we are 
I did indigenous from the, the, that community of Tlacolula, Oaxaca, Mexico. And I learned about my history mainly through my parents, well, my mom specifically. Um, she, her family, they're very, they're, my great grandmother, they're storytellers and mm. they like to share a lot of their stories. Um, you know, the language they speak, Zapoteco, is not a written language. So mm. a lot of, they're, like to they like to tell a lot of stories and just pass down a lot of traditions through you know just speaking and so my mom was very fortunate enough to tell me a lot of the histories that she was told by her grandmother and her grandmother's grandmother so I think mm-hmm. that was very special to me and in learning of who I am and who my um, community really is and so I learned through that that Number one, that I, I didn't know growing up that my parents didn't learn Spanish until they were maybe about five, six, or seven when they mm-hmm. started going to elementary school. And they grew up speaking Zapoteco, which is their first language. And then in elementary school, they started to transition and learn Spanish. And my grandparents actually speak Zapoteco. So they speak very little Spanish. And mm. when you when I talk to them, you can tell that they don't fully speak Spanish. So it was mm. very interesting because I didn't grow up learning Zapoteco. So just communicating with them was very hard for me. Mm. But I could tell just through their voice that they really felt a lot of love for me. But I learned through the stories that my mom told me, you know, about the struggles they faced in Oaxaca specifically because Oaxaca is the fourth poorest state in the country of Mexico. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of disparities amongst indigenous communities and more populated areas like Mexico City and Mm -hmm. all these other larger cities. So I learned of the economic challenges they face and, you know, why they left their community to seek for a better future and just to be able to provide for their families economically and so that in the future if they ever had kids like myself now (laughs) um, you know they could be able to provide for themselves but after they immigrated to the U.S. and I was born for them it was very important to know where I came from Mm -hmm. and you know what traditions we celebrated so they would send me every summer for like three months Mm -hmm. to Oaxaca, Mexico with Mm -hmm. my grandparents that's how I learned of the traditions in Oaxaca. And so we continue those traditions even in L.A. Um, there's a huge population of Oaxacanos in L.A. Mm-hmm. And the California region is known as Oaxaca, California, because there's a lot of Oaxacanos around the California area. And oh, we've, wow. we continue to celebrate our traditions through dance, uh, music, a lot of communities, Oaxaqueño communities throughout California celebrate what is called La Galagetza. And it's mainly a time where different community, Oaxaqueño communities get together and perform dances, traditional dances. Uh, there's a lot of traditional music that's also um, celebrated at these big festivals. And so you know, just growing up in that community made me very aware of who I was as an indigenous woman Mm. and just makes me feel very proud to be indigenous because oftentimes when I was younger I didn't feel as proud to be indigenous because number one I never saw my histories in a book 
mm-hmm. and I didn't see myself reflected in the um, mainstream Mexican identity or culture so I didn't really know where to fit in exactly mm-hmm. so you know I didn't really like to speak about being Mojaqueña or just being indigenous because my traditions are very different from my peers and yeah that's how I came about my history mainly mm-hmm. okay so when it comes to me learning my history I feel like I basically learned um, only my maternal side also because mm-hmm. my dad's side, I don't, I don't know. That was just never a conversation that came up as much because the oldest elder that was in my family died. Like the person who I could have asked these questions to passed before I was able to understand mm. that history is a thing and it's important. Like they probably passed when I was like five or six. Um But then on my mom's side, I had a great-grandmother. She just passed away literally two years ago. But um, when I was growing up, I had learned about... So she was actually born on a plantation, but she was not actually a slave child. She didn't have to, like... She was... the, The portion of slavery that we know it as our history was basically already... done Done. but she was still born on the plantation Mm -hmm. so I think I was just a little it that part is still a little confusing because it's like if you're still there then there still has to be some kind of tie to Mm -hmm. things but um I learned that my great-grandmother was born on a plantation I'm pretty sure it was in Louisiana and um she was the grand child of Let's see. I think she had a Native American grandmother, a black grandfather on one side, and then the other side was a black woman and the plantation owner. Hmm. So she had, she, I guess, I'm pretty sure that was it. If not, the Native American grandparent was a little higher. That Maybe that was like the great-grandmother. But um, that's as far as I know. So I guess that's seven gen... Wait, let me see. Me, my mom, my grandma. Great-grandma. <laughs> doing the math. <laughs> doing the math. <laughs> so maybe six generations back yeah. is yeah. all I, I know. And, and still, as you can see, it's still not that clear. Yeah. But um, yeah. so just learning that. And then my grandma lived through the civil rights era when she was an adult. And then my mom was born in the civil rights era. So she was... A product of the 80s and 80s babies and the drugs and you know not that my mom had ever gotten into that but now that's these are just the mentalities and things that have carried through time Mm -hmm. but as of knowing my history past America I don't know anything about that I don't know how many generations were on the land I don't know how far back any of that goes but um, I had a conversation with someone last night and they were just talking about how all the people and combinations and couples and all of this (laughs) it took to get to me like to be a product of all of that there's something to be proud of and spoken for and I really agree because thinking about the middle passage the fact that I was a part of those I'm one of those children a product of those children that made it and I'm still here, even through all of the other things that have gone on through history to black yeah. people. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, like I'm so fortunate. So yeah, but, but I, I think it's it's history. You know, there's this that whole thing of you have to know your history so you don't repeat. You know, the problems mm-hmm. of the past. But we're totally in a in a time where, you know, I see it in my students. They're making history. Right. Like they're always making history. Um, And like I know that we've made our history, too. Right. Like just acknowledging that we're here. We survived. Right. Like I I, sometimes I'm just like speechless. Right. Mm -hmm. Like to to sometimes like sit with that weight of like all those things had to happen for us to get here. Like how how did this happen? And it's just you. And it's just you, right. Yeah, and, like, I think that's the thing, right? Like, history is told about these grand people who've done these grand things, but, like, as an ordinary person, right, like, so many series of events had to happen for me to get here and, like, for my unique experiences and voices to be in this space right now, right? Like, that's, it's, it's like a heavy weight Mm -hmm. but it's also like we live our lives every day yeah you know and just like all these other grand people in history they were just another product right of their long lineage as well so right we all have the ability to be something right Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't i think like when we're learning other people's history i think we should take time to like acknowledge that our parents, our grandparents, our great, great, you know, like they mm-hmm. they have, even if they're not in history books, like they have significance, they mm-hmm. matter, right? And in turn, like, you know, everyone that's listening out there, right? Like you have an opportunity to let people in your life know that they matter, right? Um and maybe you know some dope people who've done a lot of things and might end up in history books, but, you know, it's okay to not as well. Mm-hmm. So based on what Elisa was mentioning, um, I thought it was interesting that you brought up the point about um, indigenous well at least the Oaxacan culture not mm-hmm. having the written language yeah and then it made me think why is it that the written language had to be the the only thing to make it significant enough mm-hmm. to be important I don't I don't know like what why do you think that had to become the thing because now if if people are going to have to write to validate their experience yeah yeah what does that say to everyone else that didn't get that opportunity? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what does that say about where, where our culture was headed at that time and still is yeah. headed at that time? I mean, I, th- I think writing it down means that you're passing on information in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a different way. But I think, you know, what Lisa was saying about oral history, right, there, it becomes sometimes a story right mm-hmm. and stories don't hold like the facts mm-hmm. um but i that doesn't mean that they don't matter mm-hmm. you know and i think that's why 
when we read these books, we realize that that's not the full history to our own mm-hmm. histories because we, we've heard stories passed down to us mm-hmm. and we heard other sides of that same story that maybe we've read and we know that that's not fully true. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, you're definitely right about that. That's why I feel like in museums, going back to museums, we don't often see a lot of exhibitions on pre-colonization mm-hmm. and the only artifacts we see are, are maybe a few art anthropology related artifacts but there really like isn't Egypt. much other yeah <laughs> like that's really it. and there's yeah. not much other than that or yeah. the stories that were taking place at that time yeah and I, I think it's also important to acknowledge that like history is not linear Right, there's like multiple people's history mm. happening at the same time, but the way written, um, like history books, right, like textbooks, they paint it as like, okay, now this happened, and mm-hmm. then this happened, and then slavery, and mm-hmm. then this happened, right? Like, it's it, no, like multiple things were happening to get to where we are and that's something important to acknowledge and I think oral histories provide more of like a rich um a rich like telling of what was happening in any given time Mm -hmm. yeah that's why I really like that y'all do a podcast because Mm -hmm. you get to capture these oral stories from students Mm -hmm. or people that you bring in and you have something that captures these stories and that they don't have to be written or you know published mm-hmm. yeah you know, in the world but there's something to both these stories you know in validation mm-hmm. yeah. cuz writing takes time you know like proofread (laughs) and then it's like you can be so caught up in in writing it you don't even feel it anymore Mm -hmm. and that's that's something that talking gives us it gives us the experience to feel Mm. in a moment so not saying that's impossible not to feel as you're writing but it just takes longer to get that point across right right i have a question for Mm y'all because um did you feel like your identity had a, developed in a different way as you were getting older? Or how did that, how was that for y'all? I think so. Because for me, it's it's like, as like what we had mentioned before, like you only know so much that you're taught. And then if you never took the time to research further for yourself or you you never allowed yourself to be curious for mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. you will have a barrier and you'll always have that barrier and maybe we'll never even realize that you have that barrier. Mm-hmm. But um, I think for me, I took that time to really research and try to understand what else could have happened that's definitely never talked about or people know about, but just try to stay away from talking about it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it changed because I was able to see how rich and important the history was for me to keep it going and to know that I should be proud of what's been given and me taking taking that power back. Like mm. I think about even just my hair. In um, high school, I always used to straighten and I never wanted to... 
I never wanted to do my I hair never, naturally. I cannot imagine your oh, hair being straight. I know. Because <laughs> I've been natural now. Like, since I came to college, basically, it started out of not having the access. Because first, my mom is a cosmetologist. So oh. she always did my hair. Which was fine. But then, as soon as... You were on your own. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I didn't want to straighten it by myself. And then it just became a habit of necessity. Yeah. But then it became a habit of pride at the same time. Like, right. I never realized how important it was. And I guess how much of a statement it is for me to wear my hair naturally for other people. Like, for me, it's just, just like, it's the hair that grows out of my head. But for some people, it's so radical. And it's just this really big thing. But Right, because there's mm-hmm. such a policing of black women's bodies to see you know, a leader in the African-American Black Student Success Center, like, mm-hmm. leading the way and just being their authentic self, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the hair that grows out of my head, deal with it, mm-hmm. right? Like, that may not seem significant, but, like, in our society, it is, right? Because we don't allow folks, especially Black women, to just, like, be themselves and, like... Mm-hmm do their jobs, eat their food, live their lives, you know? Like, I think, yeah, I think it does shape identity in a, in a, in a beautiful way, too. Yeah. But you have to get past that mindset yeah. of... And I'm not saying that natural hair is the best way, the only way, but oh, it's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. you know, you do what works for you and be okay with it. Yep. And this is what works for me, and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. So it, it just might look like a statement to other people, but for me, it's just being it's your authentic. Hair. Yeah, it's yeah. Your hair. yeah, I think for my identity, um, I, I I still don't know, to be honest. Like, if I'm, if I'm going to be completely honest, like, I struggle with where I land at any given point, right? Um, And I think where I've landed as a 30-year-old at this point in my life is I don't have to pick one. I, I think for me, I can identify as South Asian, Desi, um, Islander, and American, right? Um, Sometimes I'm not proud to be American, but, you know, I, I feel like California specifically is my home. And the Bay, I, you know, I've been in the Bay Area since I was eight. I've lived all over the Bay, you know, up to Fairfield, down to Santa Barbara. And moving around so much, you know, I've had to really live in my identities as a woman, as a big sister, as a provider as a wife as a um a partner to multiple people right like those are things that you know make me who I am and I think I I I don't see that in history books or being told but I get to own that in in different ways um right and I think as a child um I was very lucky to have both sets of my grandparents, uh, you know, around and living with me at any given point. Um, and so my grandpa, you know, my my nana, um, I would, he and I would talk about politics. We would specifically talk about Fijian politics and how does that relate to democracy and how does that work um, in contrast to Canadian politics where, he, you know, he he's from and uh, when he would come and live with us, you know, during the summer months, you know, talking about the U.S. politics. So speaking 
on a political lens, you know, I think I was very like comfortable, but we never talked about our family's history, right? Mm-hmm. We never talked about the politics that mm-hmm. that happened between, um, you know, the male figures in in my life and how um, you know femininity shows up, right? And the politics of that. Um, so as I started growing up, I would spend more time listening to my grandma, my nani, and hearing her say, you know, I'm mo- like every time there'd be a graduation that we would go to or um, she would see me studying for a test, right? She would go, oh, if only I had the opportunity to go to school, mm. right? What I would have become. Mm. Um, and she was married at 16 and had babies by 18, right? And so... And then me realizing, like, I don't have my grandparents forever. I need to listen. I need to ask those questions that I'm never going to be able to maybe ask. And, um, you know, I, I lost my my dad's dad, um, Aja. It'll be three years, I think, now. Um, and he and I did not have a great relationship. Um, he, you know, I found out that he was abusive to, to his family. And I always kept my distance once I like found that out in undergrad um but now I wish you know I'm, I'm starting to like listen to my grandma my Aji and she'll tell me things about how you know he would um work at a biscuit factory in Fiji and then he would come home you know after doing like manual labor and just drink to like live right to like figure out like what is life worth or he'll just like disappear right um and like try to figure out like you know that and and I think now as a 30 year old I'm like oh he was trying to find his happiness right he was unhappy there was something going on um and those are things that I'm not going to learn in a book right um and so you know I think history and like how my identity has shaped is is really trying to understand that everyone has things that they're working through, that they're trying to achieve, that, you know, or even if they're not, they're just trying to live their life. And so really sitting and asking those questions of like, who are you, right? Why do you do the things that you do? I I feel like I'm taking the time now to really talk to my elders and really figure out like, how does this shape who I am? Um, So yeah, what about you? Uh, great question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I forgot my own question. Jeez. But um, no, I was just what you were saying is so so powerful because I'm I'm sure there's a lot of other you know students who are going through that same process of trying to find your identity, especially if you don't have a lot of that history, like you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, growing up. So, yeah, I grew up in L.A. where there's a huge Oaxaqueño community, but I went to school in a predominantly white district in San Monica, California. You know, a lot of surfers. (laughs) It's very stereotypical, and yeah, that's very true. There's a lot of surfers and people with lots of money. And um, So going to school, I didn't really have other people that, also identified as indigenous so I never really talked about it because I felt like no one else can relate to me and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of Latinx folks and predominantly Mexican folks um 
So I felt like their experiences were very different from my own, but I didn't really know how to how that was different. Mm. And it wasn't maybe until like middle school, high school, where I started realizing it was because I was indigenous. And what that meant for me was a lot of our um, traditions were a lot different from the traditional Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once in college, it was I really hit this point where I was very conscious of my background and, you know, what it meant to be indigenous in also just higher education. I wanted to take that back and just own it and be proud of who I am because there weren't a lot of other indigenous women, at least, um, that were around me. Mm-hmm. Right? So I wanted to make that more visible and um, just be proud of my roots. I definitely feel like as I got older, just I wanted to take more pride of who I was and just acknowledging that I am indigenous and you know that I am have different traditions than you know other people and over the time it has developed and I definitely feel like just being indigenous has been uh, transforming as I got older. I just, for me, it's it's just like, I know I have to do better because just like, I think you said your grandmother had said, like, if she only had the opportunity Mm. and the fact that I have, you know, like, I just feel like I have an unlimited amount of opportunities to really expand myself in ways that other people can't either if they look like me or I came from them. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I have something to prove. And yes, that puts like almost a little bit of like extra weight on your shoulders. But at the same time, like that's a lot of pride to carry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to be in something that's however you define success and thriving in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, just being a, a black American woman and just knowing how the history is formed and not really knowing where I'll turn up in life, but hoping that I can make a difference and be better and do more. Mm-hmm. It it makes me want to do that much better. Yeah. Or, and, excuse me, that much more and be that much better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's, I guess it's giving me, given me the juice, the life, <laughs> but I just, I have to figure out how to use that constructively mm-hmm. in a way that'll benefit um, more than just myself. I think, you know, I think all of us definitely have this lens of, like, how do we um, add to our own beings, but how do we also add to our communities and the people that we stem from, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess to to kind of close this off is what would you like folks who are listening to kind of think about when it comes to uns- unspoken and untold histories about um, folks who aren't in in history books, you know, um, I guess what what you know how do we how do we set folks onto a path, right? Where did you all start? Um, and also like just in general some some knowledge. Well, I definitely want to just share that you know just take pride in who you are, you know, like us three right now we're three women of color just 
you know, alive and thriving and just, you know, maybe thriving and not in, like, <laughs> yeah. in, in our own definitions, not like, you know, but we're out here. We're out here. We exist. So just be quiet in, you know, who we are and, and if you still don't know who exactly you are, that's okay too mm-hmm. because everything is a process and it takes time to just figure out who you are and, um, you know, just talk to people, share your own stories with each other. You know, that's why spaces like Mosaic, AFAM, El Centro exist mm-hmm. for you to share your stories with one another and take pride in those stories and you know, make community through those stories, mm-hmm. especially in an institution like like San Jose State, where oftentimes you don't have a space to share these stories, mm-hmm. but we have centers like ours where you can exchange lots of knowledge mm-hmm. just from mm-hmm. sharing our own experiences with one another. That's super powerful um, to have these spaces of resistance, just, you know, like sharing these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe outside of these centers, you wouldn't feel as comfortable talking to one another about your own history and, mm-hmm. you know, challenging the histories that you read in your typical history yeah. books. Yeah. Um, for me, just like Elisa, like it's a process. So it's okay that you don't know as much as the next person, mm-hmm. but as long as you don't create barriers for yourself to learn and expand it, um, I feel like that's that's really important because yes, it might be difficult to find some of these stories and this history, especially if you don't have an elder around to help you understand and break down these concepts, but there's the internet, you know, like you're going to know as much as you allow yourself to know at this point. Um, And then you can't always just say like, oh, well, the internet isn't, it has lies, but it also has truth, just like our textbooks that we read in K through 12. So (laughs) it's like you, you take the information that you want to receive and just, you have to be open to it. So, um, if you're at square one, it's okay. Like you'll get to square five and 10 and past that and be able to have these expansive conversations with people around you. But if you're not there yet, it's okay. Just research what you feel is something within yourself trying to yeah. have understanding about something. So just keep the research. Just just do what you can. Yeah. I mean, I think echoing both what you all have said, um, you know, for me, it's don't do not do the 23andMe stuff. Mm. Like, Why not? You know, um, I, I, we had this conversation <laughs> when we, when we, this, I, this podcast came about this, you know, um, honestly, there is, the, there's so much power in owning all parts of yourself and who you are today. Um, and you know, d- don't, don't become, I'm part this and I'm part that. And, you know, I come from part of this and part of that. Like, it's important to acknowledge who you come from. Uh, but it's, it's really, you know, 23andMe just becomes this, like, white people's ammunition to, like, claim things mm-hmm. sometimes. And, like, we, we don't need people claiming, you know, things. We need people to, to live in their truths, right? All of it. Um, as it exists and not feel like they have to take on stereotypes or 
um, live in these like weird things of like I am part native and therefore I now should have act like we need to just live in a space where our stories and our truths exist for what they are sometimes um and so just be mindful of that right yeah. just be mindful of when you take any of those dna tests um for anyone that I, I think it all just comes with uh your intention behind everything did anybody listen to solange's album by the way I nothing know. without intention that that piece in the inner like one of the interludes yeah, i think so yeah anyway. such a good album anyway um i agree but uh i i think it all just depends on your intention with the, the DNA test, because you could be wanting just to collect all of the places that your ancestry comes from, or you could be collecting all those places and wanting to know the history. I feel like there's a different vibe. Right. It's all about intention. Yeah. But I'm just saying, let's, let's be mindful. How some people abuse that. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And then, yeah, just, just uh, don't feel... Or do feel, I don't know, that's up to you. You do what yeah. you want. But, you know, have this sense of um, you matter and you exist and your story matters and you have a right to tell your story, right? Even when it's not safe, um, you get to live in your moments and your truth. And I think, you know, San Jose State can feel... Like, you, you got to, you know, work that extra job or do that extra activity or take that extra class and graduate on time and do all these these things, right? And sometimes, you know, I think take a moment to just, like, reflect on who you are and how does that all connect to what you want to do? Um, and how does that really give back to the communities that you're a part of? Um, and that's part of your story, right? Like... How do you how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you to our wonderful guests for sharing um, beautiful, profound parts of their stories with our, with us today. And then um, yeah, catch us on the next episode of the Mosaic Station. Thank you all for listening. Um, we'll see you on the next episode. Well, we won't see you, mm. but you'll, you'll listen hear. to us <laughs> yes. on the next episode of this Mosaic Station. Bye. so i guess i guess is that the closing i guess do do you want to make it clear that you know oh also a disclaimer what i meant is i've lived in the bay and i've also lived all the way from fairfield down to santa barbara within california not saying that Santa Barbara is the bay okay I know that I also know that Fairfield is a little shady area of of the bay I know the hypey movement so I'm claiming it for the bay but Santa Barbara is not part of the bay I know this that's not what I meant thank you all for letting me know what I sounded like Listen, listen carefully.